Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. You know, we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting here at Destiny, and and I just really do believe the Lord is answering prayers as we um, as we make these sacrifices, as we surrender to the Lord. I believe the Lord is he's answering prayers and uh and I just want to just give you guys a couple of quick things on prayer. But before that, we do that, I want to celebrate something today. How many of you like good news? Anybody like good news? You know, I love, I love when we hear good news. And I heard some good news last night. And you might think, well, why is this good news? Why is this worth celebrating? Because I, I love to hear stories of what the Lord has done. And I love when it marks people. And it's not just, yeah, I was saved when I was like eight or whatever. And I, but we don't remember a whole lot. One of our drummers here at church, you guys know Aaron. His problem is he's wearing a Chargers hat, but we'll forgive that. Go Chiefs, right? But uh, 17 years ago today at the age of 30, this is his spiritual birthday. And he was telling me about that last night. Man, let's just give God a praise. We remember spiritual birthdays, you know. And God, you know, I mean, at 30 years of age, to remember that moment and to be marked forever by that, man, that's a special Moment. Hey, if you weren't here last Sunday, we introduced to you all our new building that we're going to be building, and uh, we'll be doing a financial campaign um, in the near future. We'll tell you about that. But if you were not here last Sunday, if you're watching online, you can check it out in our lobby, and there's a QR code, and that'll take you right to our webpage. They'll give you some information about our church. You can do that right there. Also, this week, I want to invite you to prayer. We had a tremendous week of prayer, and I know the majority of you can't make it um, of a morning because of work schedules, but I want to make this available to you. We have prayer every morning, Monday through Thursday, 7.30. The doors open at 7.30 in the morning, and we have prayer until 10. It's come and go. You can come 10 minutes before you go to work, or you can stay 30 minutes. You can stay an hour. You can stay longer. We don't care, but we just create this atmosphere for you to pray. And man, the presence of the Lord was in the room this week as we prayed and as we sought the Lord. And then this Thursday night, every Thursday night, um, last week, this coming Thursday, and the next one, we have prayer here at the church from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. The doors are open. Again, come and go. But God answered a prayer that was offered Thursday night. Somebody walked in, gathered some friends, and said, hey, will you pray with me? I need an answer. They prayed. The very next morning, they had the answer to something that they thought would take weeks or months, and they had it the next morning. God answers. God's moving. So I want to encourage you, come and pray. Now listen to me. We don't come to prayer to pray so we get an answer tomorrow. We come to prayer so we can seek the Lord. And as we seek the Lord, the Lord moves on our behalf. Prayer is not, a, is not like putting a quarter in a slot machine and getting something out. Prayer is sitting at the feet of your Savior and taking time with Him. And as we take time with Him, He intervenes on our behalf. That's what prayer is. And then don't forget, mark this on your calendar, Saturday, January 27th. I want everybody, I want everybody to mark this, but Saturday, January 27th, we're going to have prayer that morning. Typically, we'll close with a night of worship. We're going to do something different this year, but from 7.30 that morning, the doors will open on that Saturday morning at 7.30. You don't have to come then, but we're going to make it available from 7.30 to 11 a.m. There will be prayer that day. But we are asking that 
all DCers, if you call this your home, whether you watch online or in the room or whatever, come at 9 a.m. and we're going to gather for prayer. We're going to pray as a church family. And then we're going to four locations that the Lord has kind of put on my heart. And we're going to pray over those. One of those being our new church property. And we're going to go and we're going to pray and we're going to make some declarations there. But that's Saturday, January 27th. Mark your calendars. Prayer will be open from 7.30 to 11. But we're all, I'm asking everybody to come at 9. Everybody to come at 9. We're going to go and pray at four different locations. And I believe the Lord is going to move. And one more thing this morning. Last year, um, I asked you guys, um, the Lord kind of directed my heart, we were going to pray over prodigals, sons and daughters and family members that didn't know the Lord. And we've been praying over those for a year. And I've heard stories of God's faithfulness and people being saved in this past year. And we celebrate that. And we prayed over them this week. And it was powerful moments. There was um, Thursday night, my, my youngest son, Malik, I watched him as he sat here and prayed over your friends and your family. And it just brought me to tears as I watched the Lord move, even in a 10-year-old. And he wrote out prayer requests for friends and family. And what I want to invite you to do, even today, as sir service ends, I want to encourage you, go to the cross, and we have paper, and we have pens there, and I want you to write down friends or family that you are believing to be saved this year, or if you have needs, I want you to pray, I want you to go and pin them to the cross, and then this week and throughout the rest of this prayer and fasting, the staff and people that come to the church, we will pray over those, we'll pray over those Thursday, and we're going to believe with you for answers, all right? All right, we good with that? Who's ready to believe the Lord to do something this year? I believe I am expectant this year. All right, hey, it can happen anywhere. What do I mean? Well, somebody wrongs you. It can happen anywhere. Somebody wrongs you either intentionally or unintentionally. And I don't know about you, but for many of us, the urge to retaliate When somebody gets you, it's like an uncontrollable gag reflex. You know, you just can't help it. You have to get even. It happens when we drive, right? How many of you have ever seen something like this or been a part of this? Somebody cuts you off and you know that your next turn is a half a mile away, but you drive 20 miles out of your way to cut them off? Does that that only happen to me? All right. Forgive me, Lord. No. It can happen at work. Somebody does something to you and you wait for the exact right moment to get them back. It can happen in church. It can happen in our family. It happens to all of us. And our natural tendency when we've been wronged or we've been hurt or we've been mistreated is to retaliate. To return evil for evil. It's an eye for an eye. Or what happens is we bottle it up and we just like this uncontrollable rage that's inside of us and one day we explode. But I want to tell you today that God has a better plan for you than retaliation or bottling it up or exploding. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to James chapter 5. We're going to close out our series on the book of James these next two weeks. But James chapter 5, and if you have that Turn to James chapter 5, verse 7. We're going to look at 7 through 12 today. Next week, we're going to look at verse 13 through 20. But I want to tell you something, and I want everybody listening online to hear this. And I know we have a lot of people that are out due to weather and sickness and all that, but I want you to hear this. Next Sunday, we are going to be preaching on when James says, if there's any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church, and they are to lay hands on them and anoint them with oil, and they will be healed. 
Next Sunday, by faith, we are going to pray for sick people in this room. So if you have somebody in your family that is sick in body, sick emotionally, sick physically, in any way, if you know somebody, if you yourself are sick, at the end of service next week, we are going to have asked our prayer team to be praying already, and we're praying and believing, and we are expecting, we are fasting for this, and we're going to anoint people with oil, and we are going to believe that next week people are going to be healed. So don't forget that. Join us next week, all right? Hey, before we dive into this word, let me pray over us. Lord, I ask for these next few moments you speak to every single one of us in this room. Lord, I I really do believe we know that all of your word is valid for us and it speaks to us and it's all relevant for us today, but I believe that this word that we have right here today in front of us is perfectly timed for Destiny Church and for many in this room. Lord, I ask you today, would you speak through me like never before? Would you remove me out of the way? Just speak clearly through me today. Would you give every one of us ears to hear this? But Lord, we don't want to just be hearers of your word, as James says, but we want to be doers. So today I pray that by faith, our hearts respond to this very direct word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So James chapter 5, verse 7. So I want to just take the first word from the King James translation, then I want to switch to the New Living. But I think it's because sometimes when we break down Scripture, we don't get the full context with certain translations. And I love the New Living translation, but there's a word in the King James that I think is important that we see this, and it's the word therefore. Everybody say therefore. It's the first word of, of chapter 5, verse 7, and it says, therefore, and when we see words like this, sometimes they're just left out because it's like, oh, we, we get that or we understand that, but we need to understand when we see words like therefore, we need to understand that what follows is coming about because it's based on the previous set of verses. So if you remember, back in November, this was several weeks ago, two months ago, James chapter 5, verse 6 We talked about this, and in James chapter 5, verse 1 through 6, James addressed wealthy people, and he exposed their wrongdoing, and he called them to repentance. And so here we have in James chapter 5, verse 7, James is connecting this, and he's saying, therefore, it is connecting these next few verses to what previously happened, but more Then addressing these people, I want you to understand who James is addressing. James chapter 5, verse 7, he he moves from addressing the wealthy, and he's not saying that wealthy can't be believers, but he begins to now specifically address believers. James chapter 5, verse 7 says, dear brothers and sisters. But not only are these believers, not only are these Christians, but these are people who have been oppressed by the wealthy. And so James is saying, hey, therefore, I know you've been oppressed and I know you've been mistreated, but now let me talk to you. Let me address you very specifically. And I think it's important that we understand who James is talking to. It's us. When he says, dear brothers and sisters, this isn't stated here, but this is being inferred to us in this moment. It's connecting verse 1 through 6 to verse 7 through 12. And here... If I could translate it and kind of fill in the gaps for you in this connect in, in verse seven, here's what he is saying. Hey, dear brothers and sisters, in light of the fact that you've been wronged by the rulers who are oppressing you, it's what he's saying. Hey, we acknowledge that. 
We acknowledge that. Remember how I started this message by saying to you, it can happen? Well, this is what James is saying. Not only can it happen, it's happened. You have been wronged. You have been slighted. We understand that. There's not a question about it. It did happen. But James is saying, but here's what I want you to know. It can happen. It did happen. But, listen to me, retaliation is not the answer. And this is what James is saying to us. But then listen, and I'm going to break this down even further, but we're just kind of just walking through kind of getting our feet ready for this because I believe the Lord is going to step on some toes and slap us in the face today, all right? So just get ready. You know, it was cold at Arrowhead last night. It's going to be hot in here today, all right? I just believe the Lord's going to say something. But listen to what James says next. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient. Be patient. We're going to dig in this in a little bit. But he says, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. I've told you guys this in the past, if you've been at Destiny for very long, if you've been around me, if you um, know me at all, you know that patience has not always been one of my virtues. And I, and I cannot stand up here today and tell you I am now a fully patient man. I am still impatient. Um, I think I'm getting better. Don't ask my wife or kids if I am, because they might tell you the real truth. But I do, I do think I'm getting better. And, and, and I remember the song even this week, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be, right? He's still working on me. I'm still getting there. But James, and, and again, it's important that we understand this. James is addressing us as believers. He's addressing the believers of that church, but he's also addressing us here and now. And he's saying, and I want you to write this down. I'm going to repeat this because I believe this is a nugget the Lord gave me. And I want you to get this. I want you to get this in the heart. But I believe that James is telling us as believers, we have the supernatural. And everybody say supernatural. We have the supernatural ability by the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives to endure, to persevere, and to be patient no matter what life throws at us. Let's say this again. Remember James, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. So what James is telling us, as believers, we have the supernatural ability, but not by my might nor by my power. It's not us, but we have the supernatural ability because of the Holy Spirit's working in our lives to endure, to persevere, and to be patient no matter what life throws at us. Drop the mic, let's all repent and go home, right? Keep that on the screen for just a moment. I want us to continue to see this. We can't say, well, this is just how I am. I'm just an impatient person. It's just how I'm wired. No, we have the supernatural ability because of Holy Spirit to be patient and to endure all tests, all trials, everything. Remain patient. Wait on the Lord. And this challenge here in chapter 5 to be patient really governs the way or really kind of directs the rest of chapter 5. And I want you to hear this, and they're going to put this on the screen as well. I want you to write this down. Fresh revelation to me from the Lord. But patience is the believer's faith-filled. Everybody say faith-filled. Faith -filled. Patience is the believer's faith-filled 
faith-filled response to the myriad of challenges we will face in our lifetimes. We're going to let that rest. Patience is a faith-filled response. Patience is a faith-filled response. From putting up with the suffering that we're going to look at in verses 7 through 12, we've got to have patience. When we walk through affliction and sickness like we're going to look at further on here in James, patience. When we deal with family members who've strayed from the Lord as we're going to look at as we close out James chapter 5, patience. James is telling us, I want you to hear me, get this in your heart. James is telling us responding with patience is a faith-filled response. And he's instructing us, faith always needs to be our response and patience needs to lead the way. Patience needs to always be our response. How do you respond to adversity? Through patience. How do you respond to misunderstanding through patience? How do you respond when the Lord doesn't answer you the way you think he should? Patience. Patience. And this message is like resonating inside of me because it's like the whole time we've been walking through the book of James, it's been like, okay, Lord, I, I think I got that. I'm good now. And it's like, all right, Chad, wham, here's something else you need to get. And it's getting to me. So the question for us today is how do we do this? How do we have the faith-filled response of patience? How do we do this? How, Pastor Chad, here's the question for us today. It's the title of the message. How do I do right when I've been done wrong? How do I do right when I've been done wrong? Well, James gives us four commands here in verses 7 through 12 that we're going to look at. Two positive commands that we want to embrace and two negative commands that we want to avoid. So let's look at these. There's, there's four of them, and we're going to break them down starting in verse 7. And we're going to look at 7 through 8 on this first one. And it says, be patient. So number one is be patient. How do I respond in the right way when I've been done wrong or I think I've been mistreated or life's been unfair or God hasn't responded in the way that I think he should? James says, be patient. But then he says, as you wait for the Lord's return, and I'm like, that's been a long time. People have been waiting thousands of years, Lord. You mean that you're not going to, he might not. But then James gives us an illustration, and we're going to break this illustration down and explain a little bit. But then James says, listen to this. Consider the farmers who wait patiently for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable har harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. This word patient, it's going to be on the screen, but it comes from the Greek word makroth umeo. Makroth Umeo, and I want you to get the understanding of patience, what it means in the original language. It means to have the ability to wait in tranquility. 
It means to not lose heart. I think I've always thought patience is just kind of just waiting anxiously. But James tells us wait in tranquility. Don't lose heart. It means, as you dig even deeper into the word, it means to persevere patiently and bravely in misfortune, in trouble, and offense. Let me say it again. This is what James is telling us here. It means to persevere patiently and bravely in misfortune, trouble, and offense. And I might even add here, it means to wait patiently when the answer from the Lord is delayed. Man, I want to learn how to wait in tranquility. Like the storm is raging. And I want to be able to be like Jesus in the boat and rest. I don't want to have the response of the disciples throwing water over ship and panicked and like, Lord, where are you? I want to be like, he's God. He's got this. No matter what comes our way. Let me put this in language that we might understand. I'll say it twice so you can write this down. And something unjust, when, and when I say unjust, I'm not just meaning an injustice. When something that you don't like, when life doesn't go exactly as you want it, or when God doesn't respond in the exact way that you think he should, here's what I think James is telling us. Have a long fuse. Don't blow up. Wait quietly. When life doesn't treat you the, one, the way you want it to be treated, James is saying, take a chill pill. It's okay. The Lord's coming back. And that should be enough. Right? I think that's what it's saying. I think it's like his return should be enough. So wait patiently for it. Wait patiently. Reminds me of Psalm 37, 7 through 8. I want you to hear this. And I'd never connected these verses until this week in study. I'd never connected this thought. But it says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. And, I, and I've stopped. Okay, I need to learn now. But listen to what it says next. Then it starts talking about injustice, really. And people, it says, don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. What? This is why I'm trying to teach us how we walk through Scripture verse by verse. It's because we can't take it out of context. We can't just take one verse and say, no, James is teaching us. David is teaching us. Hey, wait patiently, even when you've been wronged. Even when that guy cuts you off. Even when that guy lied and he got the promotion and you didn't. Even when that person in church gossiped about you. Even when your family member stabbed you in the back. Wait patiently. Wait quietly. Trust in the Lord. Listen, it says stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. But let's be honest. Don't we all, when we've been done wrong, want to respond with some anger and some rage? Don't we all, or am I, is it just me, don't we all want to grab them by their throat 
and in the name of Jesus, choke the ever-loving Satan out of them? Just me? Those of you that giggle, maybe you're with me, right? Those of you that sit there all pious, we, you know, we know you're holy and you, you just, you know, sit there all day long and talk to the Lord. But there's others of us, we want to respond with some rage. Seriously, though, I want you to hear me. James is telling us there's a, God has a better way for you to navigate the storms of life. There's a better way. There's a better way to navigate injustice. There's a, there's a better way to navigate the delays in life that don't seem fair. Wait patiently. Be still. And I've told you this before, but that, that phrase, that translation there, that statement, be still in the presence of the Lord, is not simply meaning be quiet. The literal translation of that was when it says be still, is it, it, it shows a picture of two soldiers who've been fighting, laying down their weapons, and it's saying peace can't come until you lay down your weapons and stop fighting. So listen to me. If you want the storm to stop raging, stop fighting. Rest, trust. This is really a faith issue. Faith. And, I, and I'm telling you all today, this message is stirring me because many of us don't do this. We don't wait patiently. I, I don't have a tendency to always wait patiently through the storm. So what's James teaching us today? Well, in the ultimate sense... We have to address what is exactly said. And James says, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. James is telling them, James is telling us, hey, God's coming back. And your responsibility is to wait patiently until he returns. And listen to me, I think he's saying here, not only do we wait patiently until he returns, it's saying we're going to trust the Lord that when he returns, he's going to deal with injustice. It's saying, let him address things as he sees fit, not how you see fit. Because you see, just like in every time we see in Scripture, when man puts his hands in something that God is trying to do, God steps out and man makes a mess. But God's telling us, if you'll take your hands out of the mess and wait, I'll bring justice. I'll bring the answer. I'll dispense judgment in the way that I see fit. So our responsibility, listen to me, Destiny Church, and we could literally stop here because this part of this message has just like done something in me, and I hope it does something in you. But our responsibility, whether injustice, whether we've been cut off, whether somebody lied about us at work, whether we don't have the answer from the Lord that we think we deserve, we're fasting and we haven't got it, whatever it is, whatever it is the Lord says, wait patiently. Wait for my return. So we have to take that but it's also speaking to the here and now. Waiting, waiting patiently affects us today. Just as God has a plan for us to have an eternal future with him, God has plans for eternity. He is coming back. There's no doubt he's going to one day come back for all those who've bowed at his feet and called him Lord of their lives. He is going to return. There is going to be a rapture. People are going to spend eternity in heaven with God. I want to be a part of that crowd. And just as he is one day returning, he also has great plans for us right now in this moment. And he's saying, hey, even if you aren't experiencing that perfect plan that you think I have for you, and that dream hasn't come to pass, and that answer hasn't 
hasn't come and that person mistreated you and you've been done some injustice, your responsibility for the future and your responsibility for today is to wait and to trust. And this is what James is teaching us. So being patient, I want you to get this. I want you to write this down. Being patient, even in a negative situation or when life doesn't seem fair, listen to me, means intentionally allowing God to handle the situation in his way and in his time. I want to say that again because I think this is, like a lot of this message for me has been revelation for me. This, I, I'm like, Lord, I could have used this a long time ago. Listen, being patient, hear me, means we wait intentionally and allow the Lord to do as he sees fit in his time, in his way, and in his place. But God, I said, wait. But God, I've been, just, just wait. But God, it's done, just wait. But God, do you see? But God, I'm a, just, just wait. Okay, Lord. I'll wait on you. And I'll trust you. And I'll be still. And I'll just wait. And this is tough. And this isn't how we're wired. Let me rephrase that. It is how we're wired. We are wired by God to wait on him. Yeah. But James gives us this illustration of the farmer. I want to explain this to you. You need to get this. These farmers, for thousands of years in Israel's history, even today, they experience annual rainy seasons. This is what James is teaching us. The dry season in Israel, in the Holy Land, lasts from roughly June through September. And it's not just dry, it's dry, dry. The land is left parched, no rain. The rainy seasons, though, listen to this, they come in two seasons, two six-week periods. And they are called the early rain and the latter rain. It's, It's important even understanding that language. But the early rain comes... October through November, and the second one comes, the latter rain comes April through May. Here's what I want you to catch. The early rains come, and they germinate the seed. And then the latter rains come, and the latter rains cause the seed to grow, and they cause the seed to flourish. But here's the deal. While the land is in its dry season for roughly five five months, I want you to hear me. It's the farmer's responsibility to wait patiently for the Lord to bring the rain to increase the harvest. And while we wait through dry seasons, James is telling us it is your responsibility to look to heaven and to wait patiently for the Lord to send the answer so there can be a harvest in your life. That's what James is teaching us. That's why he's comparing this. That's why when we look at scripture, we want to understand all that's being talked about. He's not just talking about rain here, y'all. It's like he's telling us a story. Just as the farmer waits on the Lord, listen to me, I can't make seed grow. I can't take 
Johnny, you understand this. I can't make that seed grow. I can't, I can't make, I can't stand over and say grow in Chad's name. I can put it in the ground, and all I can do is that the seed is the right seed, and the soil is the right soil, and then I can just pray for the rain, and I can do my part, but I can stand there and wait, and one of these days, I know that in due season, a vine is going to begin to come out of the ground, and it's going to produce fruit, and in the same way in my life, all I can do is plant the seed in the ground, and then stand there and trust, and say, I don't see it yet, but I believe you're causing fruit to grow grow in my life. I trust you are sending the rain. Anybody getting it? As we wait patiently. And number two, second part tells us take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. It's, it's, it's in essence telling the farmer, hey, wait, but rain's coming. I love how the New American Standard says it. It says, strengthen your hearts for the Lord's return is near. So the second command is take courage, strengthen your heart. This listen to me, it is how we should respond when we've been done wrong. I want you to hear me. It's referring to our emotional fortitude and our inner disposition. This is what this is. This is what this challenge, this command, listen to me. It's our emotional some of you your emotional fortitude is a wreck. Just be honest. You are tossed from every wave, through every storm. Your inner disposition is a wreck. It is not peaceful. It is chaotic. Why? Because you have a lack of faith. Is it okay if we teach like this? this is what the, I am just returning to you what the Lord has put in me. This word strengthen is the word sterizo in the Greek. Let me tell you what this word means. It means to establish Listen, or to, or to support or fix something in its place so it is immovable. James is telling us, have patience and fix your heart on God so that it is immovable. Your heart can't be tossed in every storm. I want to be immovable. I want to be anchored so deep in Jesus that no matter how the winds blow and no matter how strong and no matter how much the drought and how much injustice, I stand. Why? Because I'm trusting in the Lord. Immovable. God wants us immovable. And as I said, this, this part of this, this whole teaching here in James chapter 5 has stirred me. And it's caused me to ask myself, am I patient and strong of heart during tough times? Write that question down for yourself. Am I patient and am I strong of heart during tough times? Am, another way you could write this is am I immovable? Am I immovable? And let's be honest. Aren't you glad that you, you're not the pastor and you don't have to stand on a stage in front of people and be honest? Right? You can just sit there and just wait for me to tell you where I am. But let's just be honest. Under stress and duress and cares and concerns of life, our hearts grow weary. Our hearts grow heavy and we find ourselves discouraged and disgruntled and throwing in the towel on God. But I want you to hear me and I want you to get this deep inside of you and I want you to write this down. 
I want you to get this deep inside you. Write this down today. The Spirit of God can lighten the load when your heart is weighed down with pressure. The Spirit of God can lighten the load. How do we do that? How do we make that become reality? It's walking in faith. It's walking in faith. Psalm 55, 22 tells us, listen to this. Cast your cares. This is from the Amplified Version. Cast your burden on the Lord. Release it. And he will sustain and uphold you. Look at this. Cast your burden on your pastor. Cast your burden on social media. Why do we do that? Can we be a church that stops that? Can we, can we stop going on social? Can we stop? Preach it, right? We just, got to, we just really started. Cast your burden on who? The Lord. But I like how the, the, the Amplified says it. Release it. What's that? Does that mean hold on to 10% of it? Release it. Let it go. Why? So the Lord can uphold you. So the Lord can sustain you. It's a very similar verse in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 that tells us, let him have all your worries and cares. Listen, I love this part. Let him have all your worries and cares, for he is what? He's always what? About who? Do what? Ken, is the Lord always thinking about me? Doug, is the Lord always thinking about you? What? He cares? So how can I have strength of heart? By giving him my worries, because I know that he's thinking about me. But look at what this next part says. And he watches over what? Everybody say what? Oh, he's watching over everything that concerns me. Oh, Jesus. Can we just pause right there, Lord? Thank you. Can you just thank the Lord with me? Thank you that you care about me. Oh, you're a good father. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It reminds me of Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you chaos. Is that what it says? No, I'll give you rest. Whew. Look at it this way. How many of you have ever heard of 2020 vision? Anybody ever heard of 2020 vision? All right, if you haven't been to an eye doctor, maybe you haven't. But, well, I want to challenge us moving forward. Can we have 5020 vision? Everybody say 5020 vision. Pastor Chad, I don't want to have 5020 vision. I want 2020. Well, there's a book in the Bible called Genesis. And in this book of Genesis, we hear about a man by the name of Joseph. Many of you have heard of Joseph. Well, Joseph, um, the hand of the Lord was on Joseph. And not only that, Joseph was kind of his daddy's favorite. And Joseph had a lot of brothers, and his brothers didn't like that Joseph was daddy's favorite, and they didn't like that God was giving them dreams. Joseph dreams about them. They didn't like those. So what did Joseph's brothers do to him? Well, they threw him in a pit. And they were going to kill him, but they thought, no, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery, but let's tell our dad that he's dead. 
And so they did that. They sold their brother into slavery. Years pass. Years, not minutes, years. Some of you get frustrated when you ask the Lord to bless you and five minutes later he hasn't done it. Joseph waits for years in a prison, injustice, mistreated, abandoned, rejected, abused, all of that. Yet he waits. And Joseph in that prison, in that pit, in the middle of injustice, it blows me away. But he goes from a slave to the prime minister. Why? Because the hand of the Lord. And he was faithful. And years later, his brothers, because of a famine in the land, find themselves standing before their brother Joseph. I wonder, I wonder how I would respond. I mean, I've really thought about that. Like, they're in front of me. Now's my chance. Boys, you shouldn't have done that. I've been waiting 13 years for this moment right here. And it is all boiled up inside of me and you're going to get it. I'm doing this to you and I'm doing that to you and I'm sending you all the way to there, you know? I'm sending you to Bronco territory. I'm sending you whatever it might, I'm sending you to Charger territory. Whatever it is, you're getting out of, you're getting out of God's, I don't know, it's sending you somewhere, right? I'm going to treat you incorrectly. But I wonder would I have had courage in my heart like Joseph did? But I've had patience. I'm not sure, but, but why do I say Genesis? Why do I say 50, 20 vision? Well, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, listen to what Joseph says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save my own life, right? No, so I could save the lives of many. This is 50, 20 vision. And I want you to get this. I want you to write this down. And I know I'm taking a while, but there's a lot to break down here. And man, the, the Lord has been just really good this week and teaching it, and I don't want to miss it, but I want you to hear me. Unless we can see beyond, and when I say beyond, unless we can see the bigger picture, and I think that's Christians' problems, Aaron, is I don't think we see big picture. I think we're too earthly-minded, and we can only see what's happening in front of us and our injustice and, and, and what we don't like. Big picture means that we understand that God's working. Big picture means that we know the rain is coming. Big picture means it's like Daniel, I'm, I'm going to continue to pray and fast for 21 days because I know the answer's coming. That's big picture. That's, that's the big picture mentality that we should have as believers. But listen to me, let me say it this way. Unless we can see beyond the ones who have wronged us, we will always want to retaliate. Always want to. Or at the bare minimum, what we do is if we can't see the big picture, at the bare minimum, we choose to hold on to bitterness, anger, offense, and hurt. Why? Because that's our earthly nature. But James is challenging us here. Don't respond in your earthly nature. Have patience. Have courage. Have strength of heart. The Lord is coming. The end is near. See the big picture. Don't have 20-20 vision. Have 50 20 vision. Yes, this is a shift in perspective. And this is what I'm praying for in Destiny Church this year, that we have a shift from our limited view of how things operate and we can begin to see God's view. It's Psalm, which says, come magnify the Lord with me. Let's, let's shift the perspective and look at the Lord. I'm not there yet. I think I'm kind of like 2530 vision, right? But I'm, I'm getting to 5020 this year. I am. I am getting there. I am declaring it by faith that this is going to become my nature and I am going to be a person of tranquility through every storm. I am declaring that. 
You know, and I, and I really do think some of you guys need to hear this. You've been in the middle of 21 days. This is our, I think this is our 10th year of doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I think some of us, we think, well, I fasted before and God didn't answer, so why do I need to do this anymore? I've said it. I've done it. And we find ourselves disgruntled with God, disappointed and disillusioned, questioning the why. Why fast? Why pray? Why wait? It's all useless. But I want to challenge all of us myself included, let's shift our perspective from the short game and let's look to the long game. God is working. God is moving on your behalf. God does hear your prayers. Answers are coming. And as I said just a moment ago, this message has really caused me to pause and to reflect and ask myself, have I gone through the storms of life with patience and strength? And sometimes there's some storms I can say, yes, I did. But man, too many storms I'd have to say, no, I've gone through the storm kicking and screaming. Today I'm choosing, and I told you, I am changing my perspective. I am going to be patient. I am going to have courage. I am making this a declaration. I am going to have strength of heart. As we start to wrap up here, James switches to two negative things we should avoid, and I think we need to get these here. When your circumstances and the trials of life pressure you and try you and you feel discouraged, and frustrated by all the stuff that's happening around you, our natural tendency, this is the negative, our natural tendency is to grumble and complain. But James tells us, number three, chapter five, verse nine, don't grumble and complain. Storms come, be patient. Have strength of heart. Don't grumble. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Oh, wow. Wow. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Listen to me. I don't want to go through a storm grumbling, complaining, and pointing fingers and then have the eternal God of this world judge me. Stop. Stop. Then James zooms in on real life examples of how we walk through trials and tests with patience. Look at verse 10. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And when James uses the word prophets, he's not only meaning people like Daniel and Isaiah. He's meaning anybody in the Old Testament who represented the Lord and spoke on his behalf. Look at them. Look how they went through trials. And then verse 11, James zooms in on perhaps one of the greatest examples of endurance during tough times. With, we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, verse 11, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Man, it is crazy to me how much Job endured. I do not think, Chris, I don't think I could have stood up to what he went through. Unfathomable personal, financial, and physical loss. Unfathomable. Yet he refused to give in, give up, or throw in the towel. And I want you to write this down. Job demonstrated real faith, which the entire book of James is about. It's been about real faith. Remember that. Job demonstrated real faith through genuine patience. He waited on the Lord. How did Job get through the storm? He waited on the Lord. He trusted the Lord. And what did the Lord do? What did the Lord do when he waited? What did he do? He doubled everything he had. Why? Because he waited patiently and he had strength of heart 
And he didn't grumble and groan and complain his way through the storm. He trusted in the Lord through the storm. Mm. Before, I, before I close, before I look at verse 12, can I give you a challenge? I want you to write this down. And we're actually, this is what we're going to pray about today. But this is what the Lord told me. Grumbling, groaning, and complaining is one bad habit that we as Christians at Destiny Church need to break. Grumbling, groaning, complaining is a bad habit that we as Christians need to break. Let me say it again. Grumbling, groaning, and complaining is a bad habit that we need to break. Stop it. Stop. We're going to pray over this in just a moment. Then verse 12, and we're closing with this. James gives us one more challenge. He says, above all, my brothers and sisters, and it just seems out of place here in this teaching. It seems like this random verse, but he says, don't swear. And when he says don't swear, it's not talking about using profanity, but I think we should avoid using profanity, all right? It just doesn't sound good for a believer to be, you know, using profanity. But all right. But he says, don't swear nor by heaven or by earth or by any... Some of you just got convicted right there in this part of your message. Oh, Lord, forgive me. But anyway, you haven't heard anything else but the profanity. You're like, whoop, got me there. But anyway, it's not even a part of the message. But anyway, number four, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you, have to, all you need to say is a simple yes or a no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. I want you... Here's, here's the example. This is what James is telling us here. Don't say things. Listen to me, Destiny Church. Don't think, say things like, I swear by God I'm not doing that. This is, what, this is what he's teaching. Don't say things like, as God is my witness, I'll never do that. And it makes, it's like, why? Because James is saying your speech as a believer needs to be so simple and true that your yes is yes and your no is no. And when people look at you, they don't need you to swear. Your character, it's, this is really here, it's closing up. Hey, your character and your te- integrity through the storm needs to not be, well, they heard you at work complaining and grumbling and moaning about God, but then they see you and they're like, and you're like, hey, I swear, come to my church, God's good. Well, why? I heard you grumbling through the storm and you had no patience. James is teaching us, hey, in the midst of the storm, in everyday life, the high, the low, the good, the bad, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Here's what he's saying to us. Your word is your bond. This really, this really right here, verse 12, is about character. I remember my grandpa, I remember he would tell me, Chad, he made so many deals, even as an auctioneer or when they started Nixa and they would buy land, he said it was by handshakes. I wonder today, could somebody shake your hand and believe that your yes was yes or your no was no? Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.